What's up, everybody? Ryan Alter here, Sports Talk, unfiltered, unapologetic. We are back for episode five. Today is March 20th, 2019, and uh, it's March Madness Eve. And uh, this is an exciting time of the year for, for the sports world. So uh, March Madness is a college men's college basketball tournament that comes around once a year. And it's basically 64, the best 64 teams from college basketball get in the tourney. It's single elimination. And um, it kicks off every year about mid-March on a Thursday. So um, a lot of people actually don't know that years ago, I think it was probably in the 50s or so, the popular tournament in college basketball was the NIT. That was the one to get in. That was the best of the best. And then what happened was, I don't know if it was CBS or another TV network at the time, they actually got the rights to their own college basketball tournament. And I think they just started calling it the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. Well, because of that TV format and platform that they had, um, they started to really take off. And that became what was known as the Big Men's Tournament and basically dwarfed into or morphed into March Madness. Um, so March Madness, man, is is a lot of fun to watch. It it happens where the games are starting at 8 o'clock in the morning on Thursday and Friday, and they're going to 8 o'clock at night that same day. So you're knocking out 32 games, 16 a day each on Thursday and Friday. And then by Sunday, uh, the and Saturday and Sunday, the winners of those two games um, – also play each other. And so by the time Sunday night comes, you're already down to 16 out of the 64. And they call that the sweet 16. Then the next Thursday, um, there's a few games on Thursday and Friday, four games each day. And then that gets it down to what they call the elite eight. And then on Saturday and Sunday, they play four more each there um, or two more each there. And you, you basically get down to your final four and the final four then happens that next weekend on Saturday and Monday with the championship game coming on Monday night. So uh, anyway, again, March Madness, exciting time of the year. Um, to me, you know, bang for bang, it, it's uh, probably my favorite, one of them at least, uh, times that first four days because the purity of college basketball is still so awesome to me. You know, all the you see the parents in the stands, the – you know, all the players on the bench going crazy. And when I say that, I'm talking about these games are always, for some reason, so uh, electric and close games and so much fun to watch. You know, a blowout in any sport isn't always the funnest thing. Obviously, you want to be on the winning end of a blowout when you're rooting for a team. But in college hoops, you know, there's upsets that happen all the time, especially in the tournament, too. And those are just really compelling things to watch on TV. It's exciting, you know. You see, you know, players, again, jumping up and down on the bench. The fans are going crazy. Parents in the stands. And um, there's upsets when they and when they happen. It's just really cool. You see everyone running on the court. And it's just a, there's something about the purity of college basketball that I've always loved and always been attracted to ever since I was a kid. So um, I'm excited for the tournament to be here, as most people get every year. College basketball throughout the regular season is fun to watch also, but it's, it's just a different animal to tournament because that single elimination, meaning you lose and you're done, you lose and you go home, adds an element of stress and kind of urgency to these teams having to go out there and perform, which is always a cool thing. 
I wanted to list the seeds real quick. I'm not going to obviously go through all 64, but just to just to give you the quick synopsis of of who's the favorites in this thing. Duke coming in is is the one seed in the East um, with Michigan State, the two LSU, the three Virginia Tech, the four. The West has Gonzaga, who's a really strong team, one of a small school. I wouldn't mind seeing Gonzaga win it one of these years just because they don't usually get as much credit because they don't play in a power conference. Um, but they have a very, very good program they have for years, and they play good team ball. My Wolverines, Michigan, their number two seed in that same Western bracket. Texas Tech's a three seed. Florida State, the four seed. The South has Virginia, another ACC team, as the one seed. Tennessee, the two seed. Purdue, the three, and K-State, the four. And then in the North, you have the final one seed, North Carolina, again, an ACC team. Kentucky, the two seed. Houston, the three, and Kansas, the four. So you have three out of the four one seeds are ACC teams. That shows you the dominance of that conference in college hoops. Um, the ACC is, you know, a lot of people like to ch- talk about uh, the SEC being the top dog in college football, which they are, but I still think the gap is smaller. Um, between some of these other power conferences, as you can see by how Clemson's handled Alabama two of the last whatever years and some of these other teams um, get into that, you know, field up there in the playoffs and bowl games, then they'd handle themselves pretty well. Um, And the tourney, you know, and throughout the year in college basketball, the top seeds are usually ACC teams. You have just college basketball teams, complete Mount Rushmore programs in Duke and Carolina. Virginia has been a really strong team the last four or five years with Tony Bennett. there, the former Washington state coach. And even though they've choked in the tourney, they've been a really good team throughout the regular season. And they're one of the better teams in the country. Syracuse has now been in that conference for a while. Now I think Louisville is too, um, even though they're down a little bit since the Rick Pitino scandal, but the ACC and well-deserved is a, uh, a very, very dominant conference. I also wanted to get into real quick a little bit and talk about Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson, um, as everyone knows, is a, a polarizing college basketball player. He's every four or five years or so, you know, sometimes a little bit bigger of a gap and that sometimes smaller. You're going to have these just bigger than life type players that come out that just take the nation by storm. Zion Williamson um, has been pretty much known and on sports center and other stuff since he was like a freshman or sophomore um, in high school. And these AAU platforms and teams kind of enable these guys to make a name to themselves going into high school or maybe in the very beginning of high school. And, and then you have a kid like him. And even when like LeBron was in high school, 15, 16 years ago, um, they're just kind of a man among boys and they are exceptional athletes and exceptional players at such a young age. And it's just highly anticipated at that time where they're going to go to school and things of that nature. So it was a big ordeal um, when he announced he was going to Duke. And then um, a little bit of a lot of, I'm sorry, a lot of buildup between the Carolina and Duke matchup a few weeks ago and poor guy blows his shoe out right there on the court and then misses the rest of that game. And um, he tweaked his knee. You had Charles Barkley, a bunch of analysts sitting there saying, Oh, you know, this kid shouldn't, play another game. He should just quit right now for, for Duke and just rehab and make sure he goes to the draft healthy. He's a lock to be the number one pick, which I actually 
probably get blasted for it. But I actually think RJ Barrett has a chance to go number one too, because he might end up being the, the better NBA player, believe it or not. It sounds ludicrous to think, but it's possible. Anyway, uh, Zion throws kind of caution to the wind and ignores that advice and basically comes out and says, you know, he rehabs, he, he's coming back. And people are kind of saying, I think it's a mistake. He should, you know, not risk his injury or his health. And, you know, is he saying, hey, I love playing for Duke. I love my teammates. Um, I love college basketball. I love basketball itself. I'm playing for Coach K and I'm going to I'm going to go out there and play. I'm not going to worry about getting hurt. That is so commendable and respectable for a guy not to worry about the millions of dollars that he has at stake and just want to be a college kid and go out there and play and be with his teammates and try to win. And, um, you know, I already like Zion Williamson, even though I can't stand Duke. But Zion, is it's hard not to root for a guy like that. So I hope he has a good tournament. I hope he plays well. And um, I think, you know, it's something that is a great uh, aspect of, of him and his personality and shows his high character. So we'll see what, what, what ends up with the tourney. And um, hopefully there's some good games for us um, ahead coming up here. Second topic I wanted to get into tonight, piggybacking off the March Madness tourney, is the whole argument of should college athletes be paid or should they not be paid? Now, uh, tons of people, you know, out there, family, friends, whatever, who know me, I'm pretty much a non-confrontational uh, type guy. I'm, I usually try to be the one that makes everyone laugh or has a good time giving kind to everyone, right? I don't, I don't really stand on one side of the fence with a lot of topics. I, I try to be open-minded. Uh, if I have a strong opinion on something, then I'll say it. And um, that's that's how I've kind of always been. Sports is something that I usually have a strong opinion on, and I'm going to make my opinion and say it. And if it's not the same as somebody else's, so be it. That's fine. I can live with that. When it comes to paying college athletes and not paying college athletes, it is one of the few sports topics that I kind of am in the gray on. I don't really stand firm on one side because I see both sides of the coin. Um, a lot of people out there stand firmly on that college athletes shouldn't be paid because the education they're getting is worth the stretch. Okay. And uh, when you downplay that or people on the other side of the argument downplay that and say, Oh, look at the money they're making and this and that off of them, they should be getting paid. You know, what it is where they get insulted is when they say big deal on the education or whatever, or big deal they're getting the scholarship. Look at the money they're making, that type of thing, right? You have other college, non-college athletes, just people who go to college and a lot of the time are getting student loans, financial aid, paying their own way. They get pissed, okay, when you bring up that side of the coin. Um, you know, I have experience in that area. Is I didn't graduate from college. I went to college for a few years, but I did not graduate. However, my wife did graduate. She's actually going her second round right now, trying to get her master's. And we've been together 14 years, and I just paid off with her her first original student loan 14 years later. Now, one thing about college loans, they're usually a little bit lower in interest, and you don't have to make some huge payment on them. You can kind of take your time doing it. But that just puts it in perspective that, you know, it took us a while to pay off for student loans, and we'll be paying some more coming up here soon. And if you, anyone knows out there, and hopefully they've never had to deal with this, but I know from talking to people and seeing it, uh, when you file for bankruptcy, if you have a financial trouble, 
and you're you're resetting the clock to zero, guess what's sitting there on your credit report still when you look it back up? Those college loans, they don't go away for nothing, okay? Unless you croak, probably, that's about it. But other than that, they're there, and you're paying them until they're paid off or they're going to stay on your credit. So I understand people who go to college and work their, their tails off to get their degree and their parents are helping pay their way or they're helping pay their own way or they're getting financial aid or whatever. They worked hard to get that degree and they see the value in that. And the other aspect of this is I wish that college athletes on that side of the coin did felt and did the same way. Not that some are, or a good amount of them don't feel that way because they probably do, but there's a ton that have aspirations of being a pro athlete. And there's actually a ton of them that don't see it any other way. That's their avenue. They're going to make it and they're not going to take no for an answer or that it's just a given to them. Well, let's just face it. There's a small percentage of players in college basketball, college football, college baseball, track, whatever, uh, even soccer that make it to the big time. Okay. And when they don't, they should use that free education they were given from their scholarship and go into a field that they enjoy and something they're passionate about. So even if they don't make it, they're doing something that they love, right? It just makes sense. You, sh you shouldn't downplay the importance of that education because one is you're, you're go you're, you have the opportunity to get it for free. You have the opportunity to do it in something you love. And it also is a fallback thing for you in case it doesn't work out again um, with the sport of your choice. So I don't know. I, I, it's a really polarizing and, and controversial topic for some people get really upset on both sides of the coin. And let's go ahead and move to the other side of this. Okay. We were just talking about Zion Williamson um, earlier and talking about him coming back and playing for Duke and, and that type of thing. Every four or five, whatever amount of years you have polarizing figures again, um, to talk about this, that they enter college basketball. Basketball is a little bit different than football in college because even in general, they're more marketable because you see them up close on TV. You can see their face, right? And football, they're wearing helmets and, and things of that nature. There's Football players don't have the marketing ability that basketball players do. Look at LeBron James, Michael Jordan. Over the course of time, these guys are world global icons, Okay. Now, Zion Williamson is one of the most polarizing figures to come out of high school ball in years. Um, he's been followed by ESPN and everybody since he was like a sophomore. It was a huge ordeal of where he was going to choose for his one year of college and things of that nature. Well, Carolina is going to play Duke about two weeks ago, the night of the of Shoegate, where he blew out his shoe. And uh, didn't come back in that game like 30 seconds in. The tickets were going for $3,000 that night. $3,000 for a college basketball game. Now, this is North Carolina Duke, which is the biggest rivalry in college basketball. I get that. and it, But it was still just a regular season ACC conference game. It wasn't even an ACC tourney game. It wasn't even a March Madness tourney game, let alone a Final Four or a title game or whatever. It was just a regular ACC regular season game. $3,000. You don't have Zion Williamson playing in that game, folks. Those tickets are easily 75% lower than what they are. 75% lower means they're $750. I'm probably guessing there's not even tickets for $750 for that night if Zion Williamson isn't playing in that game. So 
this kid's value monetary in relation to TV ratings, live gate ticket sales at, at these arenas that he's at, concession stands because of that, T-shirts, whatever. Everybody is putting bucks and, and money in their pocket off this kid, okay, except him. And he's the reason that all the money and cash is flowing, not anyone else. Yeah, there's Krzyzewski and there's Roy Williams and there's Carolina and there's Duke, but this kid is the biggest reason. And you're telling me he shouldn't see a piece of that pie? He shouldn't get paid money? That's ludicrous, okay? It's completely a joke that a, a guy like this is that big of a polarizing figure and popular, and you're talking popular than a ton of NBA guys who are getting paid millions of dollars to play this game. And this kid's doing it for free. And yeah, he's getting his education, okay, and getting his degree, but he's making them millions, millions. CBS, ESPN, whoever is televising these games, they're selling their ads on the nights that Duke play for millions of dollars to Buffalo Wild Wings, to, you know, Craig and Auto Parts, whatever you want to call, right? Whoever is paying for 30, 45, and uh, 60 second ads on TV are giving these TV networks millions of dollars because they know that millions of people are tuning in to watch Zion Williamson. And that's how that goes. Okay. It's unfair to guys, at least of his stature, that they're doing it for free when everyone's making millions of dollars off of them. And it's a joke that some of these college chancellors and athletic directors and whoever else will sit there and have the audacity to scoff at the notion of some of these guys making money when they're the ones who are driving these luxury cars and sitting in these fat houses and whatever else because they're getting paid the salaries they are because the athletes are bringing in that money to the schools, okay? They are millionaires because of these athletes who are amateurs and playing for free. So I, I think it's ridiculous um, that that part of it is, is just kind of looked over. Now, I'm not going to sit there and cry for the last schmuck on the bench that's not getting a salary. I get that. No one's there to watch the dork who never sees the court. I get that. But they are there to watch Zion Williamson. <laughs> and they were also there to watch Carmelo Anthony when he was at Syracuse. The list goes on and on. So I, I uh, spare me the, the talk of that that the superstar guys don't deserve a piece of the pie because they do. The problem is, is how do you pay him and not the, you know, the other guy who's starting at, you know, whatever small forward that's not as well known or something like that, right? They have a major issue with how they would divvy up who gets paid and who doesn't. And it basically really, to be honest with you, needs to be whoever's bringing eyeballs to the TVs and the live gate or the people who deserve the money. That's how it kind of is. It's the same thing in real sports, right? If you're the one who's popular and bringing the the ratings and the and the eyeballs, that's why you're getting paid money. There's a reason Conor McGregor, win or lose, is one of the richest athletes in the world. Because guess what? People buy his fights. It's simple. Okay? You have these other fighters who bitch and moan that they're not getting paid enough money. That's because no one cares about your fight, buddy. <laughs> it's simple as that. McGregor's a multimillionaire because... He sells millions of pay-per-views, okay? Not some other jamoke 
who no one even tunes into ESPN to watch him. And that this guy's complaining about the salary he makes. Well, if you're in demand and people want to watch you fight, you're going to make more money. That's kind of how this works with me with college athletes. The problem is figuring that dynamic out would be extremely difficult, extremely difficult. It's a hard thing to do. But what's going to happen eventually, in my opinion, is the G League is going to end up having some type of deal where like the McDonald's or top high school players can just skip college and they can go play in the G League and get a salary. And then college basketball at that point effectively will be ruined, at least to the point where the best of the best coming out of high school aren't going to be there anymore. Now you'll have better kind of team tenures where the the same group and core players are going to be together for four years, but the superstar players won't will no longer be there, and it's going to hurt the game. So figuring that out is is a, is a whole other animal. I'm just saying that the stars, the guys who make these people millions of dollars, they have an argument for athletes getting paid in college. Guys, I got some breaking news. Mike Trout is the best baseball player on the planet. No, that news wasn't really breaking. That That's basically news that unless you've been living under a rock, um, you've pretty much known. This kid is an amazing ball player. Now, I'm bringing this up because the Angels, a uh, few weeks after Bryce Harper signed a deal with the Phillies, which is the biggest in baseball history at 330 million for 13 years. Okay. Bryce uh, Harper did that about two weeks ago. Again. Okay. They're around the same age. They came into the league about the same time. Harper has been a phenom and on ESPN and been kind of touted ever since he was like 14 or 15 years old. Trout was somebody who wasn't as highly acclaimed as Harper, at least to the, to, to the average person. I'm sure other people who knew about him um, when he got drafted and whatnot, kind of knew he'd probably be a good player, but he just came out of the scene in the big leagues and just was a man's man. I mean, the guy is an exceptional athlete. He's big. He's probably six two, like 225, 30. He, you know, he's, he looks like a truck. He runs like a deer and he, and he hits with power, um, average, everything, you name it. This kid has it all. Um, he also has the look, man, you know, the, he's the, he's the golden boy of baseball. And um, he's about to get paid, people. We're talking to the tune of $100 million more than Bryce Harper for one year less. So, um, I mean, how unbelievable is that? The guy's going to get $430 million for a 12-year deal. So uh, for you mathematicians, that's about $36 million a year. That is some serious, serious coin. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a five tool player, um, like trout other than maybe Barry Bonds where, you know, they can hit for average, they can hit for power. They can run the bases. Um, they can play great defense. They can go get the ball in the outfield. They have a great arm. Bonds is kind of, to me, kind of the last really good all around ball player, um, that at least is comparable to trout. A lot of people think Barry Bonds is the greatest player ever. Um, which, you know, it's hard to argue when you actually watch them play. Obviously, um, oh, Bones was on the juice, hardcore, but Bones was also a five-tool MVP before he, before he, he gained 100 pounds from, from hitting the weights. So I think that uh, 
this contract, man, to put it in perspective, and I think it was about 30 years ago. I, I don't know why, but I have this vivid memory of being at my aunt and uncle's house with my, with my parents and my grandparents. And they had just announced Jose Canseco, who at the time was the, was baseball's best player. I think it was 1988 or 90, just won an MVP. He was the first guy in the game to steal 40 bases and hit 40 homers. They call it the 40-40 club. Jose became sports' first $5 million a year athlete. So that was 30 years ago. I remember my grandparents and my other family members going crazy when the announcement came. $5 million a year. Oh, my God. What is this world coming to? They're playing a game they love, blah, blah, blah. Well, now it's it's morphed into $36 million a year for the highest paid player. So, you know, you're you're talking basically roughly seven times more. Well, I think, you know, and I saw someone else um, in a in a group that I'm in that talks sports sometimes say that in our lifetime, we'll probably see a $1 billion contract. And I think that's absolutely possible. It's probably going to be a while from now, but I definitely think it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, at some point, I, there, there could be a player that gets a $1 billion contract. There's definitely going to be a 40 and $50 million a year player because Trout's already making 36. So in the not too distant future, you're going to see some athlete making $50 million a year. I think uh, Steph Curry and a few guys in the NBA make 40 million a year. So um, actually now that I think about it, so they're already, that's already happened at 40, but 50 million is right around the corner. And when you're talking fifty million, you're going to end up seeing a ten-year deal for fifty million a year. That's that's half a billion right there. So eventually, I think you're going to see probably some guy that's going to get a ten-year deal making like a hundred million a year at some point. Maybe it's twenty years from now, twenty-five years from now, but it's 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 probably at some point happening. Anyways, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up again. Uh, March Madness kicks off tomorrow, so there's be, there should hopefully be some really good games this first four days of the tournament. And opening day is right around the corner. I know the A's played in Japan on uh, this, to kick the season off. It's kind of you know baseball. They got some weirdos running certain things there where, where they have a, an actual official game going on at three in the morning American time. I don't know who the hell is staying up to watch that. It doesn't really make sense why they do that. But anyway, uh, the official, I think, opening day beyond that is usually always around April 1st or it's that first Monday in April, and um, which this year it actually happens to be April 1st, which is kind of cool. And I think um, there's just nothing like seeing uh, those first slate of games in, in baseball. Actually going to it live is cool because you kind of smell that fresh cut grass for the first time that year. And you, if you get there early enough for batting practice, you hear that crack of the bat, man, there's, there's certain parts of baseball that'll always be uh, really euphoric and cool to me that, that I'll always love. And uh, opening day and the signal that baseball is back is always a cool feeling too. Um, so anyway, enjoy the uh, March Madness games and I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care.